I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, May 2nd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. First of all, Brett, it's May 2nd, so let that sink in for a moment. But also, did you happen to catch this tweet thread from Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb? Well, I saw the headlines. I didn't go into the thread, so I'm going to look to you on the details. But I saw that they're, they're letting Airbnb employees work from anywhere. And I just, I'm in support of that philosophically, but in practice, how can that work? Like, you know, (laughs) it doesn't make sense. Like my main concern is time zones. Like it's like if I'm living in Bangkok, but my team's in San Francisco, like how do I coordinate a meeting? It's so tough. Well, good question. And let me walk through the five sort of things and we'll walk through quickly. First, you can work from home or the office, whatever works best for you. That's sort of number one. Number two, and this comes to San Francisco, you can move anywhere in the country, like from San Francisco to Nashville, and your compensation won't change, which will make people in San Francisco pretty upset, and make people in Nashville really happy. Number three, you have the flexibility to work and live in 170 countries for up to 90 days a year in each location, okay? We'll meet up okay, regularly. That, that helps. Yeah, totally. We'll meet up for regular, for team meetings. Most employees will connect a person every quarter for about a week at a time, some more frequently. Okay, so you're gonna see people face to face. And then finally, number five, to pull this off, we'll operate off of a multi-year roadmap with two major product releases a year, which will keep us working in a highly coordinated way. So they seem to have thought it through, question mark. This is very similar to if anybody knows about the Basecamp team. Basecamp's is like product mm-hmm. management software, and they've been doing this for a long time. And it seems really based off of off of that and how they work. I, you know, I the big thing in all those points, Jay, is you're right about the you can move from you know anywhere in the US without seeing a change in compensation, because that means that if you're in California right now and you go to Nashville, you're instantly making more money because there's no state tax. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is sort of what Miami has been selling itself on too, right? Move to a place where it's less expensive to live with your high Silicon Valley salary and you'll live like a, live like a champ. So we'll see how that works out for Airbnb and the folks there, but I thought it was interesting and wanted to bring up. Aside from being able to live anywhere, if you work for Airbnb, yeah. what do we have for Peak Pals today? Well, for our first story, more filters. For our second story, Tesla recall. And for our third story, be real. For our first story, social media and camera company Snap announced a mix of new platform features this week, some that bet on bringing augmented reality or AR into the daily life and others that fly. Brent, sometimes I wonder if we have enough filters already, like, How many dog ear overlays do we need? But clearly, Snap feels differently. What does this announcement all need? Well, the interesting thing about AR is that really the only use case for it right now are these filters of like, hey, like I got the dog ears on or it changes my face or something. And Snap has expanded the capabilities of its AR lenses and filters. They also rolled out some new technology for AR fashion and try on brands. And they just released, and this is a cool thing, a palm-sized yellow drone called Pixie that follows you around and captures videos for Snapchat. That's pretty cool. CEO Evan Spiegel told The Verge, our big bet is on the real world and that people really enjoy spending time together in reality. And that computing can enhance that and make more fun and contribute to shared experiences. It's interesting. That sounds a lot like shots fired at Meta, Brett. How is Snapchat doing all this anyways? It's doing really well. So in Canada, Snapchat reaches 10 million people, 80% of whom are 13 to 24-year-olds. And the company has more than 330 million active users worldwide, up 18% from a year ago. Comparatively, Meta has seen a 5% growth in active users across its core products in the same time. And people always say, 
oh, I don't know who uses Snap. I think they're lying. They're not. You're just old. Yeah, those people don't have kids. Uh, yeah. Gen Z not only loves Snapchat's goopy selfie effects, but they're twice more likely than millennials and Gen X to use the same technology to help them shop. More than 250 million users have used AR shopping lenses in the last year alone. I'll say this. The one kind of concern I have about Snapchat is that this is an audience that doesn't have a ton of money or disposable income available to them. And so that's probably their biggest issue. But here's why all of these goofy AR features matter. While hundreds of millions of people already engage with AR every day, bets on virtual reality, like the metaverse, are a harder sell. Both overlap, but it will come down to whether users want to want their realities replaced or enhanced by technology. I'm not sure I want either, Jay, but... I don't know either, but this is the second story in a week where we have two major companies, one Snap and one Meta, betting on a generation ages 5 to 18. And, and, you know, we'll see how those bets pay off. I don't think we'll still be doing the podcast when they do pay off, but... It'll be interesting to watch it unfold. Okay, well, I guess we got a timeline here. <laughs> For our second story, Tesla has recalled 48,000 vehicles in the U.S. over concerns about speedometer displays, marking Tesla's 10th recall campaign of the year. This sounds bad, Jay, but how bad is it really? Well, the good news is that this issue is solvable through a software upgrade, unlike a recent recall tied to heightening crash risks affecting half a million Model 3 and Model S cars. And it's important to remember that recalls are incredibly common. The Canadian government's Motor Vehicle Safety Recalls database lists 585 recalls affecting 2022 models alone across brands like BMW, Polestar, Volkswagen, and trucks like Freightliner and even Bluebird school buses. Tesla's recall campaigns have affected over 2.1 million vehicles this year alone, a number second only to Ford, which has recalled about 3.1 million. Yes, yes, but... There's a vastly larger percentage of vehicles on the road for Tesla since Ford sold more cars in the U.S. last year than Tesla has sold in the U.S. in its existence. So it's a bigger percentage. It is. And Brett, here's why it all matters. Tesla aims to produce 20 million vehicles a year by 2030. The company will have to keep cars on the road and please safety regulators who have scrutinized features like the car's autopilot capabilities and touchscreen video games. And for our final story, French social media app Be Real is betting that social media users tired of filters and perfectly curated looks on apps like Instagram and TikTok feel the same way. Brett, you talked about Be Real a few weeks ago. It was one of the podcasts that I was not here for, but I did learn a lot from listening to you. Give a peek, pals, a heads up on what's going on with the biggest social media app of the year. I like to think of myself as particularly prescient when it came to Be Real. I was telling people about it long before it became mainstream. And Be Real, it all really comes down to one gimmick. And users get a notification saying it's time to be real. And they have two minutes to take a photo of what they are doing right then and there, plus a selfie of however they look in the moment. And if you miss the deadline, you can post late. But Be Real will tell your friends exactly how late you were. No filters, no edits, just reality. And if you're late, wow, how embarrassing. (laughs) According to the Wall Street Journal, 6.8 million people, mostly college age, have downloaded Be Real over the past two years. According to Forbes, 65% of the downloads have happened this calendar year, and its active users have increased by more than 315% in 2022. Now let's kind of bring it all together. Whether Be Real is just a flash in the pan remains to be seen, but the app has undeniably hit a nerve with Gen Z users. The idea of an authentic, fast-paced app that combines gaming elements and social connectivity is an attractive prospect in the age of Insta Envy and 
that evil doom scrolling. <laughs> Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, I just thought of something. Be Real is obviously the name of the app. Be Real is also the lead singer in Cypress Hill. And there was a pretty clear generational differentiation. If you say Be Real, people who think it's Cypress Hill, people don't know who Be Real is are actually on Be Real. I think in this episode, we kind of did draw a line on kind of generational divide. Yes, but I'm going to download Be Real just to see what it's all about. Yeah, give it a try. I'll let you know tomorrow. Have a good Monday, Brett. You too.